It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic today. Jared Weiss is in the building for the first part of what's going to be a two-part episode, doing bold predictions for the NBA in 2022-23. This one's going to go about an hour. I literally can't let it go past an hour because I'm recording another episode here right after. Uh, but that's what's exciting. So we're going to get hot takey. We're going to get bold, at least by the show's standards. And we're going to have some fun. Jared, our intrepid beat writer, for the Boston Celtics, does some national stuff for the athletic. What's going on, buddy? I'm excited because I'm one of those people that really likes to hedge and ride the fence and not say anything too. I know, right? So I'm not allowed (laughs) to do that here. It's perfect. I know, right? Like I, I felt like mine were, there's a couple that I think are like, Oh wow. There's like no way I can get out of this. Right. (laughs) Whereas there's, one where I'm like, oh yeah, like this is this is a little bit hedgy, but I kind of dig it because there's there's one that's like there's not really a way to judge it in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But how are things going on your end? Is everything good? Yeah, I mean nothing's really happened so far with the beat I usually cover, so I'm just kind of bored, <laughs> just waiting for the season. To yeah, start, you pretty know. much. I figured, yeah, you know, just n- not a well, new coach, not a n- n- not drama happening in every corner. I mean, yeah, it's fine. It's funny. I mean, you told me come up with three bold predictions, and I'm having trouble coming up with a third. I guess I might as well just give off a Celtics hot take at this point, or we, maybe we could make that a bonus prediction. But yeah, yeah I just, love I, it. I, I'm. I think what I'm excited about. I mean, obviously, it sucks all the stuff that happened with Boston from the injuries to the coaching situation, but at least it's a little bit more unpredictable now. At least there's more to look out for because I felt like. This was going to be – it was just a matter of are they going to be great or are they going to be the best team in the league? And now we there's a lot more to wonder about, so I guess we'll have to make a bold prediction about it. Yeah, I dig it. The good thing is that uh, you know they, they don't have a lot of depth, but they did go out and get Malcolm Brogdon. They have some backcourt depth now. It's just what do they do in the front court? That's kind of the question. We'll talk about the Celtics later probably, uh, I would imagine. So – Let's get into this. Let's just kind of dive in. We're going to go back and forth. I'll go first in terms of mine. Um, and then you'll go, and then I'll go, and then you go, and then everything like that. Um, and we're just going to have fun with this. So my first bold prediction, I can't remember what I said on the win total over-unders podcast for the Philadelphia 76ers. I believe that both Robbie and I were pretty strong in terms of thinking the Philadelphia 76ers are going to go over their win total. I'm going even stronger here. 
I think the Philadelphia 76ers finish with the best record in the Eastern Conference and Joel Embiid wins his MVP award finally and gets it done. Jared, I guess this isn't like wildly bold, but like to go as far as to say first in the East, Embiid, MVP, I feel like there I'm like parlaying multiple things here to where it gets bold in a hurry. Can I give you my first bowl prediction? Yes. I, I pick the Philadelphia 76ers to finish with the first seed in the East and Joel Embiid to win MVP. That was that was my exact first prediction. It's I guess that's it amazing, bold, right? If we all agree on it, I, I don't think it's it's not a terribly hot take, especially with the Celtics situation, and we know the Bucks are not gunning for the one seed. But yeah, I was that was the first one I thought of when you told me to come up with it. It's just like. Philly is, like, you know Embiid is pissed he didn't win MVP last year. I think he has the stamina and, obviously, the game to go out there and hit that other level. And it's really him and Luka, I feel like, are the two guys that are lined up as the preseason predictions everybody's got. So he's already primed for it. He he comes out with a strong start. He immediately seizes the mantle as the front runner. And I was just going through their roster yesterday. They're, like, 13 deep with rotation players. They they have they, they have kind of yeah. they kind of have like every option that they could possibly need, and I feel like their starting lineup is pretty well balanced now. With I just I think Maxi is going to take another leap. I one of the ones I was toying with was should I predict Maxi makes All Star this year? I, I, yeah, I really think there's a I thought about chance. it. Yeah, I guess maybe second layer bull prediction here is that Maxi's their second leading scorer because I'm really optimistic about Harden just like taking you know leading back into just being the point guard and really just taking what comes to him and feeding maxi and, and beat as much as possible but they just have they have everything balanced out right that you could definitely see them yeah. being the ones that scrape out the most wins in the regular season yeah the depth and the leap that maxi has clearly taken this preseason i mean tyrese maxi has looked like the breakout guy maybe of the NBA season in 2023, this preseason. And you can make the case that Tyrese broke out last season, but he looks like the all-star breakout guy in the preseason right now. And looks like the guy that's going to take the leap from, okay, he was the number three option on the Philadelphia 76ers last year to being like a legit potential all-star candidate. Uh, If he is just going to knock down shots in the way that he is capable of, and he showed last season, and he's going to keep shooting over 40% from three while being attack oriented and physical and strong as a driver, having a terrific floater game, being a good on ball defender. There's just a lot there. they just run four deep in terms of like top 50 guys in the NBA, if that's who he is, Uh, because then you're going to talk Joel Embiid, obviously a top five guy in the NBA, James Harden, who I would imagine will look better a season out of having gotten to Philadelphia, clearly looks to be in better shape than what he was last season. And then I just wouldn't forget Tobias Harris. I mean, Tobias Harris sliding into a fourth option, I don't know if he's the best fourth option in the NBA, but off the top of my head, I can't really think of one better given the way that his game plays off of other players. Uh, yeah, I-, I love the roster mix. And, uh, you know, you brought up the depth. Like, I- I'll give you the floor because I know that you want to talk about, um, you know, this being your bold prediction as well as mine. Uh, their depth is really strong. They did a great job this offseason building out that bench to where I think they're going to be able to withstand uh, some injuries and just the general attrition that occurs throughout the course of the regular season. 
I'm just excited about the Anthony Melton. He's someone I've always really liked and took a little while for the lead to catch up to him. And he just, he's that kind of combo guard that fits into a team that wants, that really just needs him to be a corner spacer and then a bit of a slasher from the elbows. But I just, I feel like he's someone that's going to give them so much utility and is pretty much going to be what they wanted Danny Green for, uh, to be for them. But I could see him staying healthier, I guess. And so, just, just being able to slide him in there on top of everything else they have, I just feel like that was the icing on the cake that kind of takes him to that next level. Well, and the P.J. Tucker move, too. I mean, you go out and you get D'Anthony Melton, who's just like chaos, right? Like, that's that's the best way to describe him. Like, he's a perfect complement to James Harden because he completely will change the style of play if James Harden's off the court and D'Anthony's on the court. You're going to have to just adjust to something new that you haven't seen uh, when James is on the court. And honestly, like you can make a case that it works with James on the court and, and just, uh, you know, allows James to maybe take a offensive possession off because the Anthony's streaking down the court, trying to finish in transition. He's going to get a little bit of a break, which is what James probably needs at this point of his career. Just, you know, anytime you can get him just a mini on court blow where he doesn't have to run the offense and dribble the ball 12 times in a possession that helps. Uh, and obviously having Tyrese there is really going to help that in, as well. Joel Embiid's the number one option here that helps James as well. But then you get PJ Tucker as well. And it really, I think balances out your ability to play big or to play small. Like you really don't need to play Tobias Harris if he's struggling defensively. I thought Tobias actually got better defensively uh, last season. Like I thought that uh, he's no longer a real liability on that end, but having that uh, extra club in the bag, right? That is PJ Tucker, or you can play super physical with, P.J. Tucker, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid in the front court. Uh, you can play super small and athletic with Melton and Harden and Tyrese Maxey. And then you could even probably go with like another small if you really, really wanted to. Or you can go like super spacing with George Niang. Like there, there's just there's a lot here. You, and you can go small with like just pure chaos lineup of Matisse Thibel and DeAnthony Melton. There are just a lot of ways that I think the Philadelphia 76ers are going to be able to present problems for an opposing team athletically, uh, for an opposing team in terms of skill with shooting, uh, with guys like Niang, Maxi, Harden, who are elite shooters, Spice Harris as well as a terrific shooter. And this is all without talking about Joel Embiid. Like, that's the crazy thing. Like, we barely brought up Joel Embiid in this conversation. He is primed with the rest of this roster, in my opinion, to have his best season in the NBA, like the amount of space that he's going to have to operate. It's going to be kind of ridiculous, I think. And you brought up the idea of Joel winning MVP as well. So I'll kind of cede the floor to you on this. I mean, I think there's every reason to expect just an absolutely monster season from Joel Embiid. Because honestly, there's a little less pressure on Joel in that, you know, over the past few years, they've had this crisis every time he, he stepped off the floor where whoever they put at the five, they couldn't be the team they wanted to be. And now with Tucker, I actually think they should just use Tucker as a backup five more than Montrezl Harrell or B-Ball Paul. Just get him get him in there, have like an alternative defensive scheme to a little bit and put other big wings like Nyang and, and Harris, uh, you know, get ball pressure guards out there like Melton to, and, and I guess you could do Tybal. I feel like you have enough. Oh, you, you could do... 
you could do crazy lineups like Thibel, Melton, Tucker, you know, Tobias Harris has to be out there for offense. If you're going with like a second unit here, someone has to be out there for offense with these lineups. Yeah. But, uh, and then your fifth guy can be like, I don't even know. Like you can put out another one of the starters. Um, I mean, I guess, it, I guess one of Max and Harden yeah. should be out there most of the time. Right. But e- either way, it's they totally. just, they have enough balance now that it doesn't feel like Joel has to dig them out of a grave every time he comes back into a game. And yeah. and then between that and just they can finally put up four shooters around him that aren't sieves on the defensive end. You know, you don't have to rely on Corkmaz anymore. Um, who, who am I forgetting? Shake Milton. Well, uh, you know, it, in the opposite of that, you don't have to rely on Thibel anymore either. Yeah. Yeah. So they just they could finally have a four out spread around him. And yeah. if you double him, I mean, we, we saw when was it against Boston in the bubble in that first round. I think there was a sweep, right? But it was a close series. And that entire series was Embiid getting doubled and passing out of it. And there was usually some sort of weak link or just, you know, Tobias Harris, I think, had a kind of rough series there. But you just feel like this team is always going to have enough shooters out there that Embiid will always be able to ping the ball out to somebody that can hit a shot. And now they have more guys that can also attack closeouts that aren't just stationary shooters who you don't really trust to be able to score in the mid range or the paint. They have a little bit more of that. So I don't know if they have enough that they're like a clear favorite, but they're, they have enough that it's a, they're a, they're a sleeper one seed basically with Embiid at the helm. Yeah. I mean, just like looking at the offense, this should be a top five offense in the league. If Maxi is who you and I think he is now, um, defensively, it should be a top 10 defense, I think, just because Joel should give you that, um, relative floor defensively when he's out there. Uh, look, I, I guess backup center is still like maybe the one thing that is a concern here. They, they, like, I, I don't know. Like, do you trust Doc Rivers to go small? in the way that you and I would love him to go small. Uh, do you trust Doc Rivers in general? Maybe that's, maybe that's where we go here. It is, is Doc Rivers going to tank this for us, basically? <laughs> is that the question? I guess if he was ever going to trust someone to be his backup five, I feel like P.J. Tucker's going to earn that trust, right? If you're going small, yeah. I just don't know if yeah. Doc's ever going to want to go that small. Doc struggled with playing Paul Reed last year. Like B-Ball Paul is like 6'10", and he was worried about getting bullied with B-Ball Paul out there. I mean, does he have any other option, right? I mean, P.J. Tucker is their best low post, is their best interior player, at least offensively, of all the guys that they have. Trez obviously is not. I mean, you know, Doc knows Trez pretty well at this point. Yeah, I was going to say, but Doc, Doc just knows Montrez. Like, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, he's not going to play with the fourth <laughs> quarter. So, I mean, like Tucker, I, I – um, I just think Tucker is he's such a smart player that he can kind of re he can he can reinvent the way that you defend based on the situation. And um uh and uh sorry, I just got a message. You know, he um I, I think just like Tucker, he can improvise in a way that none yeah. of these other backup guys can. And so he can make up for the size differential. He's so strong, he's got great hands down low. I think that they They'll feel comfortable with whatever size he's making up for. He'll find a way to get strips, find a way to trap at the right moment. They, you know, they, they can, you know, they can stunt and recover stuff like that. So I, I, I think they're going to be fine. I agree. I think they're probably going to be fine. I, I guess that, like, if I was coming up with one thing though that's going to stop this from being accurate, it's not the talent level. 
maybe the second thing would be Joel Embiid getting hurt. Because if Joel gets hurt, it's going to be a problem. Like, he is maybe the most indispensable player in the league at this point. Uh, he, Nikola Jokic, you know, Luka Doncic certainly has a case here, right? Um, but they just don't have a great, they don't even have a great backup option for Joel if it goes down. Um, they have depth around Joel now, but I, I don't know that they have a great replacement option. But getting rid of the idea of injuries here, the, the thing that worries me most is just, can, can Doc Rivers get the most out of an out of a team that is now fairly modern in the way that Daryl Morey has built them. And, you know, doc, doc is doc is a <laughs> doc, doc is a good manager of people. It would seem. And I, I think that that is a critical skill with this team. I just hope that they uh, get the most out of what I think their talent level is uh, because and, that, that has that just stylistically that has often been a question with him. And the thing we can't forget is like James completely threw in the towel in the final game of the playoffs. Like that, that was horrendous. That was honestly one of the worst ones I've seen in a long time. So we can't, we can't forget that happens. And I love, I, I feel like that must have been planned, but that, that audio of Doc uh, talking to Harden like during training camp that was streamed live on NBA TV. I, I, I just feel like there's no way they didn't know what they were doing on that one. Like that they, they yeah. did a good job of setting up that narrative that James is fully bought in. We're not going to see that happen again. And hell, I'll buy it because I want James Harden to win a championship. As frustrating as he may be, he is one of the coolest players that we've had in our lifetime until he got really annoying watching him play. But I think now uh, they've changed the rules enough that he can't really be as annoying of a player as he was earlier. And now it's like, I'm hoping this will be the year where you get to see him win, really truly utilizing his skill in the best way possible rather than trying to game the system every single night. And that's going to be really fun to watch. All right. So we both had the same first bold prediction. I'll give you the floor now because I got to say that one. So what is your second bold prediction here? I am going with Evan Mobley, NBA All-Star. It's okay. It's time. Um, and the funny thing is when I was doing prep for the show and I was like, all right, I think I'm going to go with that one. I went, I was like, hey, you know, I should listen to what other people are saying about Evan Mobley. And the first thing that popped up was you and Mark Schindler talking about this like two weeks ago. Um, and so <laughs> Mark's I, all in. I'm like, I'm like a little bit less in on this one, like just because of the amount of talent surrounding them yeah. a, or surrounding him in Cleveland. And it, I, I think I'm less. I'm less in on the idea of him being all defense. Maybe he might be an all-star, um, but yeah, continue. I, it's funny. I, I could have, I guess I could have gone with all defense instead of all-star, but I, I already picked Bam out of bio as my DPOI pick. So I guess I couldn't go with DPOI with him, but I just, I, I feel like all he needs, I think you mentioned this too. Like he needs like 10, 10 more pounds of muscle. And I feel like that just changes his finishing ability on the offensive ends where I mean, I mean, right now, if you lob it up to him, pretty much nobody in the league besides like Joella Bede is going to do anything about it. So there's already that. So he's getting a lot of just kind of rim run opportunities and dunk, uh, ducking in from the dunker spot. He can get 10 points a game off of that. But I feel like his jump shot's going to come around as the season goes on and yeah. Just he's going to be able to pick up, you know, I, I just feel like he can score 20 a night just off of easy opportunities on, on lob short rolls and pick and pops this year, uh, especially if they can continue to utilize Jared Allen the way they were utilizing him last season. So I don't know how much 
the way their spacing changes because of the uh, you know marketing getting moved that that really changes things for him. But he's just someone that he's evolved so much over the last couple of years, going from high school to college to to the NBA. I just feel like he's going to take another huge jump, and he's going to have like the I, I I love it when teams find an identity and then they get another off season to really hone that identity. And that's what's going to happen here, especially with the way they use them as that kind of like floating middle zone on defense. I don't know if they're still going to do that. I feel like they still have the personnel to pull that off. But he, I think that now the narrative is there for him where everybody's looking out to see how good of a defender he is. And the league is going to, I just think the public's going to be really blown away by how good his defense is and how much it'll probably improve into year two. And his offense is going to come around that the counting stats, I think, will be there just enough that he could squeeze into that all-star bid. Yeah, I think that where I just like, look, I'm all in on Evan Mobley. I think he's like one of the seven or so greatest assets in the NBA currently, right? Like, you know, whatever, 10, 7, 12. I don't know what the exact number is, right? But he's one of the great assets in today's NBA. Um, He is, I, I just don't know what to expect from him offensively because so much of Cleveland's offense was dictated around the idea of running that ball screen in the middle or side ball screen with Jared Allen and Darius Garland last year or Jared Allen and Ricky Rubio before Ricky Rubio got hurt. Uh, and then using Darius as like a second side creator, using um, you know Evan sometimes as a second side creator, uh, using him as like a mid post like bailout option from time to time. Like th- there was just... I wonder how many possessions there will be for him with Donovan Mitchell entering the fold where I don't think it's going to be like Donovan and Darius take turns, right? Like I I don't see that necessarily because they both are really, really good at playing off the ball. Um, That is something that both of them have a lot of experience doing. And I think that they're both going to move off the ball. Like this isn't like what we've seen from Trey young previously where like Trey kind of floats off the ball whenever Trey isn't involved in the primary action. Uh, Both Donovan and Darius actually like move and try to free themselves and are are willing to get rolling. But like Donovan is going to require more offensive possessions than Ricky Rubio did, or um, than at times Karis LeVert did. No, by the way, like Karis LeVert is still there and Karis is still going to take a lot of offensive possessions because that's what he does. Right. So I guess that like, there's just a lot of offense to go around and that is without including, you know, Jared Allen catching six lops a game. Right. And, and then getting one dump off in the dunker spot. Uh, I don't know. Like the, the way that their second units run is almost going to be the most interesting thing for me with them this year, because how much do they stagger like Evan into the almost like second unit a little bit more often and try to get him offensive reps that way uh, in order to try and you know, give him a chance to really explore the studio space and develop a little bit on that end because that that's their long-term upside is Evan developing offensively. Right. And like for one, if they're gonna they're probably gonna want to go to some mid post stuff throughout the game just a little bit, just so they can have some sort of passing hub for all their guards to curl off of. And I feel like he might be able to do that, although I feel like Allen probably gets yep. that early on. Uh and also just 
he he wasn't really utilized in open threes, whether it's trailing or pick and pop as much as he you know could be based on what I think he can do. So if that's really coming along, which I, it seems like that's the hope, but obviously we haven't seen him out there in the preseason, so who knows? But if that's coming along, it just opens up a lot more looks that he wasn't getting last year. But I think one of the things offensively that I'm excited for is with the Euro foul rule now. I think that he's one of those guys where he's like a very he's a dangerous transition player, but he's not a capable he's not like a skilled transition player yet. So he's not someone that's going to put the ball on the floor, but he's someone that if they can't if they can't stop him from putting the ball on the floor, he's going to get a lot of finishes that way. So I just I feel like there's going to be a lot more opportunities for him to get you know get a couple shots off in parts of the game where he wasn't really getting them last year, and also just. Guys get to the NBA and they realize how hard it is to dribble the ball in the NBA. And then usually that second year, they start to kind of figure it out. And last year, it's like his dribbling because, you know, when he was at the lower levels, it's like he was just so big. He could basically dribble the ball over somebody's head if he had to. It's like as long as he wasn't dribbling right in the defender's face, he could pretty much get to where he wanted to. And last year in in the physicality as well, like that's the other thing, like guys can really bump you and like stop your momentum. Nobody could really do that to Evan in college or or in high school. Yeah, so obviously if he's a little bit bigger, a little bit or yeah, I think you mentioned like core strength. It's like I, I think it's 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 just balance for him. Like he's so he's such a high center of gravity that if he can just get a little bit more balance and, and make it also just operate a little bit lower to the ground when he's handling the ball. I feel like he's pretty upright. So if he can get a little bit lower and then spring up more once he gets you know, gets into like loading up to jump he's just going to be able to score in so many more ways and get to the rim and, you know, situations where he was putting up those little jump hooks or turnaround jumpers. Yeah. And by the way, like I give you like, you know, 10% of skepticism on whether or not he can make the all-star game purely out of role, not out of his own skill set. Like, I still think he's going to average like 19 and nine and three assists. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's still going to be just like an absolute monster. And if he's averaging 19 and nine and is one of the 10 best defensive players in the league, like, you know, that's it's an incredible player. It's probably all star quality. It's just I don't know that like I don't know that the voters will do that. Like, I guess that if we're talking about a wild card coming down to it, if Tyrese Maxey averages 24 points per game and Evan Mobley's at like 19 and nine with good defense, you know, while Tyrese is shooting 50, 40, 85 or something like that. I, I don't know who the voters will respond more to, I guess, in that case. And I mean, a lot of the time it's more picking someone to represent the team and Max Max has to contend with James Harden while Mobley's contending with probably, you know, probably I assume Donovan Mitchell will still be the favorite for the all-star bid out of Cleveland. Then, you know, it's like he's competing with Allen, who made it last year, and Garland, who also stuck into it last year. But they're not quite established veteran stars enough. Um, Yeah, I dig it. Yeah, and I feel like guys, I feel like veterans get preferential treatment over getting the all-star nods just because people look at it as this guy is kind of, kind of on his way out from being an all-star while the young guy is going to get it eventually. So that's why we're not going to give it to him quite yet. Although, of course, Garland and Allen did get it last year. Okay. Let's take one quick commercial break and we'll be back with our final three bold predictions. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. 
This is going to hide your location from your ISP hackers and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, for instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla minus one recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan and you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account. nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Okay, we're back, Jared. Let's dive in. The Charlotte Hornets finish with a bottom two record in the Eastern Conference. So I'm basically picking them to be worse than two of Detroit, Orlando, and Indiana uh, by saying this. I think that they look like a disaster in the preseason. Like, they look like the worst team I've seen in the preseason so far, to be honest. And part of this is like, you know, LaMelo ball is out right now. And, you know, th this is not going to go well for them while LaMelo is out, because I just don't know where they're going to get even anything resembling efficient offensive creation without LaMelo being able to drive transition play for them and being able to drive pick and roll screen uh, ball screen play for them. But I'm very worried about Charlotte. I am very worried about what that situation looks like this year. Uh, it's funny. I was talking with the same one. I would probably, I I think the only way to make that prediction bold is to say that they're declaratively going to be worse than the Pacers because they are, they're so bad. They're so bad. I mean, I, I, I covered yeah. two of the games that they had because um, they played Boston and my, my biggest thing is I just don't think LaMelo's good yet. I think that as far as that's that's a winning, wild one. <laughs> I think as far as impacting winning, I really struggle to decide if he's a net positive player. As far as like 
raw skill, yeah. different finishing moves, different passes. He's I mean he's he's all-star caliber, sure, but uh, he he feels like a glorified Tony Roten on these tanking Sixers right now to me. Oh it's, my uh, goodness, Jared. That like he he okay, no what I think a more accurate one would be he looks like Trey Young before the Hawks figured out how to play around Trey Young. I think that's a more reasonable take. Yeah, I mean, I I'm, think I'm, that's I'm, I'm, that's I'm more accurate. But I, I yeah. think Lamelo, Lamelo being an All Star, I, I didn't like it last year. I don't like it even more now. I hope he's on an All Star yet. Not that I, I want to see him make ten All Star teams in his career, but he's just not. He's not positively impacting winning that much right now. And he, the, the like that team has no cohesive identity, and they're putting the ball in his hands, and he's not really creating it. They have no identity. They have bad talent around them. Obviously, they're screwed because their second most talented player is, you know, whatever that situation is right now with Bridges, you know, maybe going to jail. So, and they're stuck in you know purgatory with him. But so, they're already screwed there. We their roster moves this off. And, and to just to be clear, look, I, I know that Miles Bridges, like they still have the offer out to him and everything. I, I cannot imagine Miles Bridges playing a game this year. Uh, just straight up. That that would be stunning to me if they do if if the NBA allows him to play a game this year while this court case is hanging over his head I think it's kind of a disgrace but yeah you know we'll we'll see I, I guess there is still a lot to play out there I know that the court date continues to be delayed uh, per Baxter Holmes at ESPN so we'll we'll see what happens there I, I'm glad that you brought up the idea of them not having an identity to me it even goes like one step further than that. It's that they almost have conflicting identities because LaMelo Ball and Steve Clifford seems like a disaster pairing to me. Uh, Steve Clifford teams tend to play down pace. We have quite a bit of evidence of Steve Clifford at this point. He has been an NBA head coach for, I believe, eight seasons now. No, I'm sorry. He's been. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is his ninth season where he's an NBA head coach and Steve Clifford teams do tend to get the most out of their talent level, but they tend to do it by playing slow by playing, um, you know, very solid, steady defensive play by, you know, playing really well rotationally and positionally on that side of the court. And his teams, I think have never finished above. It's like 18th or 19th in terms of pace of play uh, throughout his career, that just doesn't really work with LaMelo. So like to me, you know, we can talk about not having an identity. To me, it's almost even worse where they have like the coach's established track record of what his identity is, is in direct conflict with the star's identity of what the style of play he has always played is. And also, they don't really have the defensive personnel on the perimeter to execute a Clifford type defense. So also true, yeah. It's 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 already a problem that they don't have the connectivity they need in their offense, and they they're they're a team that wants to play in transition because they don't have offensive execution. Unless I mean, with Gordon Hayward's out there, obviously that helps a lot, but he's you know inconsistently available. Um, and also in the preseason, they haven't had Hayward out there for those first few games, so that obviously was a huge part of it. But like they, they're a team that needs to be playing abstractly. They they need to be playing on the move against a defense backpedaling, and they probably aren't going to get the stops they need. Especially, they're not going to get the turnovers on the perimeter they need to get in leakouts as much. They they the recipe just isn't there. 
Well, who, who, I guess that I'm struggling with like, who would you consider their best perimeter defender? Uh, it's Cody Martin. And then who, I, I guess is my question. Yeah. Like, it's weird. Cause it's like Terry Rogier is a, is a very uh, skilled on ball defender, but uh, awareness and small. resistance is a huge part of defense. And yeah, and he's small. So you can only put him on certain guys. Um, you know, LaMelo could be a really impressive ball hawk at times, but you know, s- same, same kind of issues about awareness and persistence. So, uh, I, is, is I'm it, struggling. is it Jalen McDaniels? Like, I guess so. Is it, is it PJ Washington? But like PJ Washington's like a combo four or five. I mean, th- this is, yeah, this is not going to go well. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's Hayward who's really more of a help guy than a point of attack guy. I mean, they, they yeah, yeah, they they don't ha- they don't have that defender that you feel like. Well, I guess Miles Bridges was that guy, but they don't right now. They don't have anyone that you're thinking like I can put him in the starting lineup and put him on the opponent's best player and feel like at least we have that somewhat under control. Yeah, I- I'm I'm worried about the way that this is going to work. I guess that's what I would say. I have some very substantial concerns uh, about how any of this is going to function in a cohesive manner. Um, yeah, I think that this this is a team that's in play for Victor Wembanyama. I think not a team that's in play for like a real top eight seed in the East. Uh, but we'll see. And I guess they're pro- Jared. They're probably oh, going to start. They're probably going to start a fire sale in February, right? Like they have to start offloading some guys. Maybe. I Ke- like Kelly Oubre w- would make sense as a guy to move. Yeah. Like, do you, here's the question. Like, do you still like Terry Rozier as like a compliment for LaMelo? I, like, I don't mind it. I mean, uh, he's, he's a great shooter and you need shooting around LaMelo as he continues to develop. So like, do, do you move him? How much value does he have? Cause he has, uh, I think after this season, something like three years, $75 million left on his deal. It's like, he's probably like, you know, two or three, five million dollars overpaid, something like that. Um, I don't know. I, they needed like they need James Booknight to be valuable. And I, I have some substantial questions on I mean, whether yeah, right or not now, that's going to be the case. Yeah, book Booknight's book not even close to ready right now. So that's that's not yeah. working for them. If um, yeah. let's say that they they end up with the second pick of the draft. Would you what, what would you do in that situation? Scoot. Scoop. No, but do you wouldn't even do you think put twice. Scoot and Lamelo together, or do you try to yes. trade Lamelo? Okay, I, I put Scoot and Lamelo together and fire Steve Clifford at that point, and <laughs> find a coach that plays up tempo and goes. Yeah. It's no, it's no disrespect to Steve Clifford. I think Steve Clifford's a great basketball coach. Like I, I just worry about if it's the right fit for this team, and maybe they're seeing it as like you know we need someone that can come in and like instill this mindset of toughness and physicality and defensive identity into this roster and maybe that will be valuable for the if that was to happen for those two but i don't think it's the right schematic fit for actual wins uh for a roster unless steve clifford is going to play up tempo and we just haven't seen that previously it's just not there's not a lot of evidence of that i guess is what i would say fair enough okay uh give me your second or no third this would be your last one jared so give me your third bold prediction third bold prediction is uh this one's too insane but what the hell i think the orlando magic are gonna get the 10th seed oh i love it let's go 
I think they're Let's in the play-in. Um, just because I, I feel like the bottom's going to fall out a little bit closer uh, than we think in the East this year, where like it's going to be kind of another Pelican situation where one of those teams is going to be able to seek into that 10th seed. And the Magic have this confluence of talented players who are just kind of getting ready to be impactful and really weird lineup combinations that I think a lot of teams are going to have trouble with that I could just see them surprising teams throughout the week as the regular season goes on and just piling up like 37 wins for some weird reason. And that's like just enough to get them into the 10th seed. I love it. I've been talking about, I think I've talked about the Orlando magic more than any team this preseason. They're going to be one of the most enjoyable teams to watch. I think uh, this entire NBA season, just the weird, like you said, the weird lineup combinations. This is like, I don't even know if they're going to get Jonathan Isaac back and he makes the lineup combinations even weirder. Um, What they need in order to do this is they're going to need Markel Fultz to get back because Markel is the kind of guy that can give them stability at the point and allow them to get everyone involved and play the kind of tough defensive structure that they're going to be able to play with their size. Like it's just going to be, with Wendell Carter, with Paulo Bancaro, like these guys are big. I know Paulo wasn't awesome defensively at Duke. He's just big, like for the four spot. Like he's going to take up space out there. Um, you know, Franz Wagner is a good defender. You know, Markel, Jalen Suggs, these guys are all really good defenders. Um, you know, you slide Cole Anthony into like a sixth man role. I think that makes Cole Anthony even better, um, just in terms of efficiency and allowing him to get better matchups. So, yeah, no, I love this. I, I think it's a great take. So I will take this a step further. This, this isn't my third bold prediction, but I will ask you, uh, which team are they most likely to make the play-in game over? So I'm going to read you the 10 teams that I think everyone kind of has there. Uh, the Boston Celtics, the Brooklyn Nets, the Toronto Raptors, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Chicago Bulls, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Atlanta Hawks, the Miami Heat, and then I guess that like it would be a combination of the Knicks, Wizards, um, you know, I guess Charlotte, uh, you know, I guess you know maybe Detroit, something like that. The tenth, the tenth seed's a little bit more open, I guess, than I recognize. If you think yeah. that the Washington Wizards aren't going to be incredible, I do, I don't think they are, and the Knicks, I don't I don't have a lot of faith there. So I I was between Detroit and Orlando as my as my sleeper pick there. So I I'd, I would probably say that the Knicks and the Wizards will be battling it out with them for that tenth seed on the like the last week of the season. Yeah. No, I, I dig that. Um, I, I think that's an interesting one. And it leads into my final bold prediction. It is about the New York Knicks. I actually really like the New York Knicks talent level. So when I say this, I almost don't know that Knicks fans are going to be disappointed. But I think that by midseason, the Knicks embrace the youth movement finally and are willing to move off of some of these veteran guys that they just kind of have. Um, Julius Randle, Yvonne Fournier, Derek Rose, guys like that. Uh, it's been an enormous frustration, I think, for Knicks fans that guys like Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, um, you know, Quentin Grimes last year, haven't gotten the opportunity necessarily to be able to just rock in the way that you know, their draft status, what they've shown on NBA courts has portrayed. 
at times. I think the New York Knicks are going to be forced because of the young guys stepping up to move into a bit of a different era and to move into more of a youth movement where guys like Jalen Brunson will obviously be the point guard. I'm not saying they move Jalen Brunson, but it's going to be guys like Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, RJ Barrett, Obi Toppin, um, all of those guys, Deuce McBride gets minutes. Jericho Sims gets minutes. Mitchell Robinson continues to get minutes. Like I think that they have to move into those guys getting the lion's share of things as opposed to guys like Julius Randle, Yvonne Fournier, Derek Rose, et cetera. I'm just, I'm worried about like, you look at what their closing five is going to be. It's going to be Brunson, either Fournier or Grimes, maybe Barrett, Randall, and probably Robinson. Uh, that, that team just, I feel like is going to be defensively limited on the perimeter. And right. I, I just I feel especially with it like I just feel like if that closing five is struggling defensively in the fourth quarter, Tibbs is gonna do something to break that up and that's gonna deflate their and maybe he's willing to develop. I you know, I don't really think of Tom Thibodeau as a uh, as a uh, a uh, young player developer. Um That's what makes it a bold prediction, Jared. Right. It is very the fact bold. that we're going youth with Tibbs. Yeah, but either way, I just I feel like their win total is going to be deflated. I, I, they, it, it, I mean, they it need might to be, yeah. Julius Randall, and I don't know why they gave Mitchell Robinson that deal when they have Obi Toppin back there. I would have much rather let you know, let that money go elsewhere and try to make Toppin into a five. But this team, it's another team where the identity maybe they have more of an identity than like Charlotte, but a clear direction, not really. Yeah. I do. I think that they can embrace a clear direction pretty quickly by going toward this youth ideal, right? Like they they could very easily decide, you know, we have a direction. We have our point guard that's going to develop all of these young guys. RJ Barrett, I think is kind of, he's just continuing to get incrementally better. Every time I watch him, he gets just a little bit better. Like right now it's like the patience on drives, that I think has gotten better from what I've seen in the preseason. Obi Toppin is like taking movement threes now, by the way. Um, like he's actually like shooting and knocking them down. Like I don't see a way they're going to keep, they're going to be able to keep Obi Toppin off the floor, to be honest. Like he looks so good right now that I think it's going to be really, really hard for them to be like, oh yeah, we've got, you know, Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle and X, Y, and Z. Like, we're going to make sure that Obi Toppin only gets 18 minutes where he stands in the corner like he has for a season and a half up until late last season. Um, I think that they're just going to have to play him. He looks really good. I, look, an, another, like, bold prediction for this could be, like, you know, they move Julius Randle midseason. Uh, I, I think they're almost going to have to because, like, a big part of – what Julius Randle gives you is just that ability to eat up possessions because of how like gifted he is as a ball handler and mismatch nightmare at the four. But you have Jalen Brunson. You need to keep giving RJ Barrett reps and talent. And you just signed him to an extension where you have him under team control for five years. I think that this is just setting up for a Julius Randle trade at this point, uh, given some of the, some of the commitments they've made in the last few months. The funny thing is, if they had traded Julius Randle during the offseason, I would have made one of my bold predictions that R.J. Barrett is an all-star just because yeah. the amount of space it'll open up for him to drive, it'll just expand his it'll expand his mid-range and his attack game more, and the, the, he would just pile up enough points per game that he would be a really good candidate yeah. for it. 
I think it's going to be year five now, it, you know, RJ Barrett, all-star year five instead of year four, but that's fine. Um, RJ looks like a legit, um, you know, maybe bottom end all-star, but he looks like a top, you know, 35 player in the league. It is ceiling, I think. And that's great. And that will probably end up being a, maybe he ends up being more, maybe he ends up continuing to develop positively in the same way that DeMar DeRozan did uh, over the course of the first, like, eight years of his career, basically. Uh, honestly, like DeMar just keeps getting better, right? Like it's not even just eight years. He keeps adding different things to his game. When he got to San Antonio, he really added like the passing ability that he had kind of honed later in his Toronto career. So I don't want to limit DeMar like that, I guess, either. But, you know, RJ has that same worker mentality that I think could lead to long-term development and success. So, yeah, I, I think that, my prediction is that the young guys for the New York Knicks prove so good that the team ends up having to move the vets out in order to accommodate the younger guys that are on this team. And maybe it leads to the 10 seed, the nine seed, maybe it leads to just a more coherent direction. But I think that we look back on this Knicks season as a positive, even if they don't necessarily like win more than 38 games or something like that. <laughs> That'd be amazing if Knicks fans can look at a 37 win season and be like, Oh, this is a nice step in the right direction. That would be truly remarkable uh, maturity. Legitimately. Like I think if they move Randall and move like Fournier and like really embrace the youth movement, I think Knicks fans would like really like that. I think the Knicks fans are like very connected to this young group of players that they've drafted and grown with a little bit. And, and like, this is, we have barely mentioned like Quentin Grimes, Quentin Grimes looks really good as well. Like, I think that, I think Knicks fans are very connected to this young group of talent. And because of that, they're, I think they would be okay with that if that was to happen. I mean, it would just be so exciting to see Knicks fans watch a playoff game. That that would be very, very exciting. I love it. That'd be great. I'm all in on like Knicks fans happiness. I, I, I really enjoy like when the Knicks are good because like Knicks fans are some of the like craziest, best people. Um, and again, craziest people uh, on the planet in terms of rooting for their team. And I mean that like lovingly, uh, in a really positive way. So, uh, Jared, I think we've gone through six. We've gone through five at this point. Um, you know, we said we had the same number one bold prediction here for the East. Do you have anything else you want to get off your chest? Any, anything you need to like say with some with some confidence here moving forward? No, I mean, I, what I like about the East this year is I, I, there's eight teams that you could see being in the top four potentially. So. Mm-hmm. It, it does feel a lot more open. I'm just really rooting for the magic to make the play in game. That, that would be so much fun. Yeah. It'll probably well, be I, I think, once they get there, but it'll be fun. <laughs> well, I think that like that's, you know, we mentioned before we started recording, like it was hard to come up with bold predictions in the East this year. And a part of why it was hard to come up with it is because it does feel like there's more parity in the East. So like trying to come up with something that seems bold is a little bit difficult. Right. Like it, it doesn't feel wildly easy um, to come up with something where people are like, oh, that's not bold. That's like that, that, that could easily happen. Right. And I don't even know that what we said is like all that bold, but like it's it's complicated, I feel like. Right. 
I mean, thinking that Tom Thibodeau is going to start playing young guys, that's that's pretty bold. I know. That's I pretty, tried. Pretty insane of me. I tried to come up with something. <laughs> I tried to come up with something good. Uh, Jared, as usual, have you watched anything good recently uh, on TV, uh, movies, anything good? Well, no, I mean, I watched the Charlotte Hornets play twice this, uh, this month, so I'm, I haven't seen anything good. <laughs> I said <in> good. <laughs> um, I finished watching Power. Uh, fi- finally actually finished that show. I don't know if it's a good show, but it was very fun. I was addicted to watching it, even though it was, uh, it was yeah. one of those shows where it was tacky half the time. But then credit to Power for a show that's really tacky a lot of the time. They definitely fooled me a lot of times on the twists and turns, which is something I like. Mm. I, I'm one of those people that watches those kind of like crime dramas or spy thrillers being like, all right, let's see if I can figure out where this is going. And they yeah, definitely yeah, have fooled yeah. me a few times for sure. So I, I definitely recommend people watch Power. <laughs> it's a ridiculous show, but it's really fun. Yeah, I've never watched Power. Uh, I do tend to enjoy like the silly shows a little bit more than some people do. Well, that's um, silly. yeah. I, I might have to might have to go down this road of Power. Um, yeah, that's all I've got. Uh, I'll be back uh, in, tomorrow, honestly, with another episode because we're doing Eastern Conference and Western Conference bold predictions back to back days, just because it felt like the way to do it, Jared. Do you have anything coming up that you want to plug? Anything exciting? Tell the people where they can find you, etc. Yeah, you can find me on The Athletic, covering the Celtics and the NBA there. Uh, I've got a feature coming soon about Marcus Smart uh, that is about off-the-court stuff that I think will be really interesting and might make you cry. Oh, God. Jared. I would be sad. Why are you pulling the heartstrings, man? Come on. Hey, man, the heartstrings got to get pulled before we start talking about basketball. <laughs> uh yeah so i'm just working through preseason stuff at this point as i'll say on the next episode but uh just keep it locked here and we'll uh keep you updated as that stuff gets released uh until next time we will talk soon bye 